This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Vote Nikki Haley in Iowa or die of frostbite. Trump and Vivek's inevitable confrontation. Davos wants your trust and Miss Military America 2024. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That's what happens when it certainly appears anyway that that the government is, at the very least, complicit in your assassination is you get a federal holiday named after you that long after your death, everybody else gets to take a day off of work from. I'm not going to dive into the many theories and controversies surrounding MLK. I'll only say this, regardless of what you think about him, he's one of the most gifted orators of all time. The the best, in my opinion, I personally cannot watch his I've been to the mountaintop speech without getting goosebumps. I challenge you to. If you can, that's very, very impressive. If you have never seen any of that speech, which most of you probably have, but if you have not and you are into that sort of thing, because the ability to be such great orators and reach people and uh, influence them emotionally and capture them through their speaking is how society is influenced in a lot of ways. So it's fun and helpful to study that. So if you're into that type of thing, like I am, then watch that speech and you're in for a treat and see how it applies, how other speakers today use those similar strategies. Now on to the, the news today, a lot going on. Top story, obviously, is the Iowa caucus is finally here today. And apparently it's negative 3000 degrees outside. It's so cold outside according to CNN and MSNBC, that if you're voting for DeSantis, Vivek, or Trump, you only have seven minutes once you're out in that cold before the frostbite kicks in, your fingers start breaking off, and your heart explodes. So you better vote fast, or if you care at all about living, just stay at home. Now, Nikki Haley voters, however, according to CNN, are oddly immune to the harsh conditions. So if you're dead set on voting and surviving, you best vote for Nikki Haley. This is basically, I'm exaggerating obviously, but this is basically how the mainstream media has been covering the Iowa caucus the past couple of days. Every few minutes, they remind viewers of how much time that they have, that they can be outside before the frostbite will start to take over them and and they could potentially die while waiting in line to vote. It's crazy. They, they should have a ticker and they should have a video camera following uh, a potential voter has stepped outside. The clock ticks uh, 25 minutes until their death, 17 minutes till frostbite. They're trying to scare the daylights out of people. And since we know that they don't actually care about people, people's well-being, no, especially people in Iowa and, and people across America, actually, they don't care. If they did care about the well-being of the voters in America, they would not have lied about the COVID vaccine. They wouldn't have lied about COVID. They wouldn't have lied about bleach being injected, uh, Trump saying that. They, they wouldn't have lied about Charlottesville. They would have done all of these lies about Russia to try and divide the country and have citizens turn against each other and tear each other apart. They wouldn't have done any of that if they actually cared about the well-being of people. 
They don't. So they're obviously not looking out for people's best interest. They obviously believe that scaring people into not voting, resulting in a low voter turnout, is going to help Newcomb Nikki more than anyone else. She is going to benefit. That seems to be what they think. It's interesting, though. If this were the general election and it was the right-leaning media that was using the exact same uh, be afraid of the cold strategy that the left is using right now, then the same media using that strategy today, the left, they would be calling it a racist attempt to disenfranchise minority voters. They absolutely would. There's no question about that. It was nice to hear watching some of this coverage, though. A, a CNN pundit actually bring up, uh, he, didn't, he didn't cite it, but he was referencing a, a poll that, <laughs> I've been talking about this a while, but this new poll that came out, let me put it up on screen. It's just, they contradict themselves in everything that they do. You see on screen here, and, and I can't remember who it was that brought this up. They'll probably never have this person on CNN again. But they brought up the fact that half of Nikki Haley's backers in Iowa are independent or Democrat crossover voters who would vote for Biden over Trump. They're basically Democrats. And crossover voting, I've talked about this before during the last election cycle, but just a quick refresher. You guys probably know what it is, but it's when people, instead of voting for their their parties, because you can't vote in both primaries in many states. Georgia is one of those states. Iowa's another one. You can't vote in the Democrat and the Republican primary. So you can choose to vote for the other team in the other team's primary to try and get the candidate that you want or you think is like the easiest to beat is usually why they do it. And so there's no challengers to Biden right now. So there's no consequence for all of these Democrats to jump over and vote in the Republican primary, which gives Nikki Haley this big boost of 50% of basically Democrats. They say independents, but even on CNN, they're calling them Democrats. And that, that that's kind of uh, conflicting with the mainstream narrative that we've been getting the past couple of months. And also, like in the same breath where they're saying this stuff, that emphasizes that Nikki Haley has a better chance at beating Biden than Trump does. They tell us that Haley is this percentage at beating Biden and Trump is just barely slipping by at beating Biden. But if that were true, then why would these Democrats be crossover voting to prop up Nikki Haley if Nikki Haley is a shoe-in to beat Biden and Trump is not? They would be supporting Trump because he is the weaker candidate, according to that narrative. I don't believe that narrative, but that is the contradictions in in what they're reporting to people that nobody really points out. Now, it could be that Nikki Haley is a win-win for them because, as I said, and as this clearly illustrates, she's a Democrat. And Vivek and DeSantis and Trump – They all are not fully on board with I'm going to suck Ukraine and Vladimir Vladimir Zelensky's D and keep sending that foreign aid. They're not all in on the foreign wars and and World War III. Nikki Haley could not be more all in on that. So maybe propping her up is a way to get a Democrat if she wins and a Democrat if Biden wins. That's probably more of what it is. So – Staying with Iowa, 
Speaking of Trump and Vivek, there's been a little bit of controversy, maybe, over the weekend after months of these two saying nothing but nice, loving things to each other. They appeared to have their first public fight. You know, that first public fight, everybody wants to know what's going to happen in the aftermath of that. Here's what I say. Did they really have their first fight? Or is this just a little bit of theater? You be the judge. Here's my understanding of what happened. Vivek did a photo op of or with a handful of college kids who were wearing a T-shirt that had Trump's mugshot in the middle of it. And at the top, it said, save Trump. And below the, the mugshot, it said, vote Vivek. Save Trump, vote Vivek. And this sparked outrage uh, among a very small number of people on social media, mostly diehard Trump supporters like Laura Loomer. And mostly everybody else didn't really care. It was just really a small number of people. And in response to this photo, Trump said, Vivek started his campaign. This was on True Social. As a, he started his campaign as a great supporter. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign tricks. Very sly. But a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Now, very sly could be a compliment for many uh, uh, politicians. And the way Trump said it, it almost even seemed like somewhat of a compliment. But he also said, Trump did, vote Trump, don't waste your vote. Vivek is not MAGA. And in response to this, Vivek, who I call the enunciator, he refused to go after Trump, uh, overtly anyway. He refused to go after him overtly. And he said this, he said, Yes, I saw President Trump's true social post. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. It's an, it's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. I don't think friendly fire is helpful. Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century. And I'm not going to criticize him in response to this latest attack. So I have to say this. While that little dust up to me seems mostly like WWE theater, that description, like most of Trump's insults, whether he comes up with them or someone else does or they have a creative team and, and Trump and all of them do together, like most of his insults, that one is precise and on point for Vivek. It, it truly is. I mean, Vivek responded to a post where Trump called him sly, very slyly. Look at what he said. He calls Trump the greatest president of the 21st century, right after he indirectly implies that Trump's advisors tell him what to do. Trump doesn't decide things for himself. His advisors tell him what to do. An indirect insult followed by the greatest of all compliments. Sly indeed, Vivek. Sly indeed. Which, as I said, is probably a compliment for most politicians. Uh, uh, After getting that backdoor shot in, at Trump. Vivek then went back to doing what he's been doing for months, praising Trump. He then said, I respect the hell out of Trump. He's the best president of the 21st century. I've defended him at every step against unjust persecutions, the unjust persecutions. But open your eyes to the hard truth. The system will stop at nothing to keep this man away from the White House. Just because it's wrong doesn't mean it won't happen. This is all very true. Most of it anyway. What what Vivek has done to uh, defend Trump and say that he would take his name off the ballot. All of that stuff, very true. Also, very sly. Is he genuine? 
in his claims and what he says? Or just a sly MFR? Only time will tell. This little conflict was coming. It was inevitable. I mean, most people don't even really care about it. Only the mainstream media, which can only focus on that instead of, you know, they, they don't focus on anything else about Vivek except for that little conflict with Trump. And like Laura Loomer and a small number of social media influencers who could get some clout for themselves through this little conflict. But this was going to happen. It had to happen because Vivek is still in the race. I mean, th this is how these things work. It's political warfare. Had Vivek dropped out a while ago, then, you know, and he had no momentum, maybe this would have never happened. It would have gotten to this point. But the fact is that Vivek has attacked everybody else and, and the field has slowly, you know, it, it, it's gotten smaller and smaller. And it was eventually going to get to where he had to at least differentiate himself a little bit from Trump. He had to tell voters why they should choose him over Trump. Because previously, he was just kind of saying the same thing that Trump says, but he's a younger guy. So anybody who, who pays attention knew this was going to eventually happen as long as he was still in the race. And, and he did it in a way where instead of overtly criticizing him, like calling him a, a Russian or a racist or a chauvinist or a, a rapist or whatever all the other things the mainstream media does, he didn't do that same old thing. He instead framed his separation as you need to vote for me to save this man that we all beloved to, to Trump supporters. If you truly beloved Trump, Vivek is, is telling them, then you need to vote for me because you can interpret this a number of ways, but they'll kill him if he's a nominee. They'll either kill him or they'll put him in prison. And if you don't want him dead or you don't want him in prison, then you vote for me because they'll never let him win and I will pardon him. Now, you can debate the logic of all that. But that seems to be what he's trying to persuade people with. And it's very creative, unique, and very, very sly. Obviously, Trump is going to respond to that. This is how all of this works, as I said. I mean, he insulted Rand Paul back in 2016. A few months later, Rand Paul is endorsing him. They're playing golf together. He, he, he accused Ted Cruz's dad of helping kill JFK. He called Ted Cruz's wife ugly. Then Ted Cruz endorses him. This is normal. It, it, would, it would not be normal if this never happened. It, it's not controversial. It's not shocking. It's expected. And I don't believe for a second that people like Laura Loomer and these other influencers of the mainstream media were surprised at all about this. They're just, as I said, trying to get that clout by pretending to be. As for Vivek, I don't know what his intentions are. I, I don't know if he's a plant as... Some people believe he, he's a smart guy. That's for sure. He's definitely well-trained. There's no doubt about that. You got some Obama in him in his enunciation. I'm not going to call him the uh, Obama, uh, whatever, uh, the, the Indian Obama that they're saying on the uh, on social media. But he, he's trained, just like Pete Budovich, uh, just like all of these people are. A and he says the right things, okay? Does is he get, Would he do the things that he says he's going to do if he's elected? I, I have no idea. I have no idea. But other people don't say the right things. He does. What does that mean for you? I, I don't know. You have to decide. It's he is, He's very good at saying the right things at the right time, and he's better than anybody else at responding in real time 
to questions. Maybe some people might think they're plants asking questions. I, I don't know. I have no idea. It's possible. The the climate protesters he responds to and hands the mic to. Uh, some of those are probably real. You, you can't in a in even staging something. And I've done a lot of stunts for improv and comedy. You can't always factor in everything that might happen. It's impossible. Things will happen that you have to improvise and react to. So even if some things are staged, some things are also reacted to naturally. And he is skilled at reacting to those things. Again, time will tell. We will see. I will be surprised if DeSantis and Haley beat Vivek. I mean, I find it hilarious that CNN has spent the past couple of days uh, talking about Trump, Haley, and DeSantis and not even mentioning Vivek as though he has no chance or doesn't even exist. He's not running, really, the way they talk about him. Like, those three are without a doubt one, two, and three. I, I That would surprise me if that was the case. I, I If it were genuine and legit, I, I think that Vivek would definitely finish second. I, I think even as it is, I don't see any way DeSantis beats them. Haley, because I think they're trying to rig it for her. I think she could get second. But I, I just, when you look at the, the media never tells the truth about the polling. They, they try and influence the vote by the polls that they tell. And when you look at social media, and it's just X, maybe this will be a, uh, like a study of what is more accurate in this Iowa caucus, even though we can't really know the legitimacy of it. Is it X or is it CNN and the media? Who knows? It's just all such a fraud, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I, I don't know. It's interesting to watch, that's for sure. But very, very cold. Make sure you don't stay outside too long. You'll freeze up and someone will come tap you and you'll shatter to pieces. Unless you're voting for Nikki Haley. Moving on, there is another candidate that I wanted to mention that you know, I think I might have said this like a while ago. I'd forgotten about this, but there is a Republican who's caucusing in Iowa, polling at 1%, a candidate named Ryan Binkley. I have no idea if I am in any way related to this person. He is originally from Columbus, Georgia, lives in Texas now. Maybe. I have no idea. I've tweeted at him and said, are, are we related? Tell me. I, I didn't do the genealogy thing. Did, maybe he did it. Maybe I'm on some page somewhere. And all of my DNA has been, uh, you know, it's in some database that can be matched to any police search for the rest of time. Who knows? This candidate is a Texas pastor, and he's the founder of Create Church, who's calling for, this is what it says on his website, he's calling for America's leaders to return to the core values of trusting in God and each other, caring for the hurting leading with integrity and bringing hope and healing to our nation. So I'll say this about Ryan Binkley. Vote Binkley. Vote Brad Binkley. I don't know this guy at all. Write me in in Iowa, okay? Maybe make him second choice. Write me in. If you're going to vote a Binkley, vote a Brad Binkley as a write-in. It's my one request. Sticking with Iowa a little bit longer here, there was like a fan-made ad or something that Marjorie Taylor Greene shared on Facebook. And apparently it was played at the end of one of Trump's rallies. And they're like, Trump played this at his rally as though Trump is like controlling the board. Maybe he told them to. I don't know. 
but this is like, it's a pretty funny, ridiculous ad. I'm going to share it with you guys where Trump, it, it, they make it out like Trump is, is made by, so there was like one description of this video that was like shocking video suggests that God made Trump. And I'm like, what, what, who, who, who did they think made him? Who did they think made the rest of us? Here's the video. Very, very ridiculous Trump video. Where I think the idea that they did not express in that headline very well is that God made Trump for this moment. And I don't know who made this. I just know that it's a little ridiculous. God looked down on his planned paradise. Here, I'm going to start this over. And they have, uh, apparently it's AI generated, I guess. And it's got that. Uh, the rest of the story, Harvey. I can't remember his last name. He's not alive anymore, but I used to like to listen to the rest of the story guy. And here is that ad. Showing a record player. The moon. And on June 14th, 1946, Earth. God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, <laughs> then go to the Oval Office and stay past midnight at a meeting of the heads of state. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms strong enough to rustle. The Wait, so he, he's doing all this stuff. He's fighting the Marxists. He's eating dinner. And then he's going back to the Oval Office where he's hanging out with the heads of state after midnight. All of the heads of state are just waiting in the Oval Office while he's, you know, eating meat and potatoes. The deep state, and yet gentle enough to buddy with arms, strong enough to rustle the deep state, and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody <laughs> to deliver his own grandchild. <laughs> that is hilarious. That is so fun. That's definitely got to be AI written. It's so ridiculous. So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms strong enough to rustle the deep state and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers. Tame, cantankerous World Economic Forum. Come home hungry. Have to wait. That's what you know. It's definitely AI written. Tame, cantankerous World Economic Forum. The feathers. Tame, cantankerous World Economic Forum. Come home hungry. Have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon. Wait a minute. So he tames the cantankerous World Economic Forum before lunch? First lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So go. <laughs> Come back real soon, ladies. God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an axe but wield a sword, who had the courage to step foot in North Korea, who can make money from the tar of the sand, turn liquid to gold, who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation, will finish his 40-hour week by Tuesday noon, but then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as a serpent's. The poison of vipers is on their lips, 
and yet stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack. A man who cares for the flock, a shepherd to mankind who won't ever leave nor forsake them. I need the most diligent worker to follow the path and remain strong in faith and know the belief of God and country. Somebody who's willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day, and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday. <laughs> and then his oldest son turns and says, Dad, let's make America great again. Dad, let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again. So God made Trump. What is this weird outro here? So that that's it. This is a little bit of a weird out. It's a weird, stupid video. Also hilarious, though. It's it's clearly it's it's like who it's like whoever made this video, if it were written by a person, were dropped in their head multiple times as a kid. It was made by AI. That's why it's so stupid. But this was played at one of Trump's rallies, and this just got everybody upset. On the, like Jim Acosta did like a fifteen minute. This is so shocking. He thinks he's Jesus. This is somebody made this and, and you're Trump. Like if it were me, I'd be like, that's the dumbest idiotic thing I've ever seen. We should play it because of how funny and, and stupid it is. But they're like, oh my God, he thinks he's the Messiah. It's a joke. That is funny. Though. AI is so dumb. It's so dumb. I'm so unimpressed by AI. Art, decent, but still doesn't look real to me. It, it, I some of it looks real, but it's just, it's not impressive. I think it's stupid. I think it's overhyped. Moving on. <laughs> that was the stupidest video ever. Okay. Let's get on to Davos real quick before we get out of here. Davos started today. Uh, the World Economic Forum's annual douchebag summit. It's going until the 19th. And the theme of this year's summit, I've talked about, for a couple of years now since they there was a clip that i played from davos it was either from two or three years ago where during one of the panel discussions they admitted well they said that the elites of the world have never been more united in their their agenda their calls yet at the same time the public of the world has never uh hated the elites more They've never distrusted these elites who are so united more than they ever have. And after that, they went on to have all of these panel discussions over the course of the next couple of Davos that were about building trust in different sects of society, uh, in, in different demographics and the different ways to do it and reaching to different locales and getting to people's doctors and, and preachers and, and teachers and coaches and whatever way they can get an end to build back trust. In society, the trust that society has in the controlling institutions of society, like the media, government, uh, the education, the public education system, the uh, uh, the scientific experts, to somehow get people who the masses trust to convince them to once again trust all of these controlling mechanisms. 
And I would always point out all of the different Davos panel discussions that would focus on rebuilding the trust in children, just very awful, terrible thing. I mean, just so manipulative what they're trying to do. They want to rebuild the trust because to push that agenda forward and, and achieve that great reset, they have to have us comply with it and help them bring it forward, bring it about. And so they need our trust so they can better manipulate us into helping bring that great reset forth. And this year, it's gotten to the point where they are just openly calling the entire Davos meeting rebuilding trust. It's like culminating in this entire four or five day session. How do we manipulate people into pushing this thing forward? Which I think is actually a very good thing because it just shows right there on space that they are losing. I mean, this is what they were talking about in that clip that I play. They can't accomplish their agenda as long as we don't trust them. So it's up to us. If we continue not trusting them, we win, they lose. Done deal, right? But they're very sly, if you will. And they use divide and rule and divide and conquer to, they'll get these people, whether they're infiltrated or these people are manipulated themselves that they will try and present to us it doesn't always work and that doesn't mean that anybody who's popular is one of these but this is the idea is to segment society off into different groups and then plant a leader who is pushing their agenda in front of that group that that group identifies with and is least likely to question and most likely to trust without that person earning trust and they get people to trust those leaders that they put there by using divide and rule strategies that put people in, in an emotional state, a tribal state that caused them to run to these people they identify with and just jump on board without actually vetting those people. And then they rope those groups of people who are so busy fighting amongst each other that they don't see the con going on into supporting these global Great Reset efforts under the guise of fighting and defeating this, this tribal enemy that has been created. This is why divide and rule, we have to resist the hate of each other. It, it, we have to resist it. I mean, this is their most powerful strategy for defeating us. We just have to stop. We have to stop. We have to be Spock. It's hard. It's very hard. But we can do it. Uh, we are doing it, actually. I mean, they're full of shit. And more people realize they're full of shit. I've gone off to a ramble again. Dead gummit. Moving on. Where was I? So here's a little bit about the Davos. And I'm reading from the, the website here just to give you guys a little bit of a overview of what is going to be going on during this Rebuilding Trust Davos World Economic Forum session. Let me find my spot here. Here we go. Obviously, it's in Switzerland. And they say they're welcoming over 100 governments, all major international organizations and the forum's 1,000 partner companies as well as civil society leaders, foremost experts, young change makers, social entrepreneurs, and the media. And it says, at a time when global challenges require urgent solutions, innovative public-private collaboration is necessary to convert ideas to action. 
The forum provides the structure for developing research alliances and frameworks that promote mission-driven cooperation throughout the year. And this week's annual meeting will serve as an accelerator of that cooperation, deepening connections between leaders and between initiatives. So the question for leaders of Davos 2024, these are the questions they're going to be addressing. Will the coming year be a period of permacrisis or will 2024 be a time for resolution, resilience, and recovery? Now, permacrisis is a is how they define it, a cluster of related global risk with compounding effects such as the overall impact is such as, such that the overall impact exceeds the sum of each part and could cause war, essentially. I and mean, that's what they say leading up to the definition. Now, the Davos 2024 is their uh, 54th annual meeting. And under the theme of rebuilding trust, the meeting aims to restore collective agency and reinforce the fundamental principles of transparency, consistency, and accountability among leaders. So uh, transparency is a very... It's a very uh, manipulated word that they use there. It doesn't mean transparency about what they're doing. It means they want to see everything we're doing. <laughs> the program embodies a back-to-basics spirit of open and constructive dialogue between leaders of government, business, and civil society. The goal is to help connect the dots in an increasingly complex environment and provide foresight by introducing the latest advances in science, industry, and society. Throughout the week, Sessions will feature the latest proposals for progress on global security, trade, economic growth, jobs, climate, and nature action, the energy transition, technological disruption, and health and well-being. <laughs> well, health and well-being to them. That means like mRNA type stuff. And I'll show you this. The meeting is organized around four areas. These are their four themes. Number one, achieving security and cooperation in a fractured world. And it says, how can we effectively deal with security crisis such as the current situation in the Middle East, which they uh, fueled, uh, while at the same time putting the floor under the structural forces of fragmentation? How can we identify areas where cooperation is essential to ensure a win-win scenario for all stakeholders? Now, stakeholders is different than shareholders. Stakeholders is ESG type stuff. That means they don't care about shareholders. It means that they appeal to equity and equality and all of those unattainable goals that they use to control and manipulate society is what stakeholders means. And number two, creating growth the second thing is uh, the forum or the uh, meeting is going to be about is creating growth and jobs for a new era. How governments, businesses, and civil society can come together around a new economic framework and avoid a decade of low growth and put people at the center of a more prosperous trajectory. How can we minimize trade-offs and maximize synergies in a situation where traditional measures seemingly fail? So that to me is screams of AI. And there were there are some panel discussions that are all about liberating AI and the future of AI. So that's like, how do we try and make AI not suck? And what do we do about the people whose jobs, who, who lose jobs? That's what I think that's going to be about. That's what it's been about in the past. Number three, artificial intelligence as a driving force for the economy and society. How can we use AI to benefit everyone or all, it says? How is the, the divergent regulatory landscape balancing innovation with societal risk? How will AI interface with other transformative technologies, including 5G and 6G, quantum computing, and biotechnology? So this to me is like 
talking about a future thing, hoping to manifest it because AI sucks. AI sucks balls. It's stupid. I don't, I don't mean it's stupid like I think it's stupid. I mean, it's literally, it's dumb. It's very dumb. They had that CNN, George Carlin. They tried to tell people that AI made a George Carlin special. And then you find out that actually it was written. It was actually written by a person, but the voice was AI. What, what, a, what a fraud. They, they, the whole story about it was that it was AI, it was AI. But at the end of the little special, oh, it actually was written by a person. The voice was AI. You know, they're trying so hard to project AI as this all-knowing, powerful thing when it's really not. And finally, a long-term strategy, number four, a long-term strategy for climate, nature, and energy, what everybody's been wanting. Everybody, I, I went to the grocery store today and I walked out spending 150 bucks. I don't even know what I got. Like I went to go eat dinner and I'm like, what did I even buy? I spent $150 today. And I can't even eat dinner because I don't know what I bought. I bought like orange juice and two cases of water, 147 bucks. But yet a long-term strategy for climate, nature, and energy, thank goodness, that's where our energy, that's where our energy is focused. How can we develop a long-term systemic approach to achieve the objectives of a carbon neutral a nature pot carbon neutral can 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 go f itself it, it, change that term they will change that term i guarantee you they stop using that because it's so i think nothing makes people roll their eyes harder than than carbon neutral and greta thunberg an approach to achieve objectives of a carbon neutral and nature pot nature positive like like fat positive body positive world a nature positive world by 2050 who comes up with, who writes this? We're going to start seeing that effing term, nature positive. Along with these other positive things they like. Nobody likes this stuff. By 2050, it used to be 2030, while providing affordable, secure, and inclusive access to energy, food, and water. How do we balance the trade-offs to achieve social consensus? So social consensus is is them choosing what they want society to believe and then them using these institutions of society that they hope we trust to manipulate us into being in consensus with what they predetermined. That, that's what this means. These people are dipshits. They pissed me off. Klaus Schwab is a, is a piece of trash. He got his daughter going out there now. His daughter looks like she's... His daughter... Reminds me of John Podesta or whatever his name, Podesta. She looks like all skinny and wiry. I feel like it's Podesta with a shave and long hair is Klaus Schwab's daughter. Look at her next time you see her speak. It's, it's John Podesta. Moving on. It is interesting, I should say, that Davos or the World Economic Forum also just released their 2024 global risk assessment threats and the two of the top risk for 2024 are where is it here are extreme weather and disinformation two things that the media is currently focusing on in their coverage of the Iowa caucus wonder where they get their talking points from all right one more story that we're going to get out of here we've all heard the reports about 
how military recruitment in the U.S. is at an all-time low, not just this year, but the past few years, with most branches of the military falling well below their recruitment targets, which has led, whether legit or not, to fears among many that maybe a draft could be reinstated and their sons and uh, trans daughters could get drafted and be forced to go fight in a larger global war. Well, what better way to try and prevent having to do that? Like, what better way to get young men who have been turned off by all the woke military recruiting advertising and get them to join the military despite that risk of being shipped off to war and potentially dying than hot chicks? Hot chicks, if you join, join the war, maybe you can have sex with really hot chicks. And what conveys that there are hot chicks in the military better than a story about a U.S. Air Force officer being crowned 2024's Miss America. Here she is. This is the story. And this is not the greatest picture of her. You look her name up. She's actually super hot. But Madison Marsh, a 20. Two-year-old, blonde-haired, blue-eyed second lieutenant in the U.S. Air Force, also a master student at the Harvard Kennedy School, the public policy program, also learning propaganda there, uh, it seems. She emerged victorious at the 2024 Miss America pageant last night, Sunday. She She's representing the state of Colorado. She is the first active-duty Air Force officer ever, ever, to receive the national title. And I imagine that it was... Very painful for the organizers of the event to make sure that a, a, a female without a penis won. Like they, they, it was very hard for them to not have a, a a trans woman of color be the winner, but they just decided this year that it was more important to make it look like really super hot, blonde-haired, blue-eyed gorgeous chicks are in the in the military because they want dudes joining thinking they're going to sleep with these chicks i mean we see propaganda like this all the freaking time the idf the israel stories where it's a unit of 12 really sexy 112 pound big boob chicks killed 300 hamas it's totally made up and you have the thirst traps the e-girls whose entire job is psych war this the girl's beautiful, don't get me wrong, but they would not have had a hot blonde white chick win because that's not what they do anymore for these things unless it were for this military purpose. This is propaganda. Probably also deserved to win, although a lot of good-looking girls there. But it is interesting because she's in the Air Force. Now, the Air Force is one of the many branches of the military that fell below their recruitment goals. And they actually fell below their they fell below theirs by thousands. And it was the first time they had not met their recruitment goals in over 20 years, right? In over 20 years. And yet they just so happen to have this beautiful blonde girl win Miss America. Hey, you want to join the military? Miss America's there. You want to meet Miss America? She might be in your platoon. You might be bunking with Miss America. It's a good thing. It's a good thing they were able to get this hottie in the Air Force before the recruitment job dropped off because she certainly does make a fine piece of propaganda.
That's where I'm going to wrap up the show. We will talk to you all next time. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a fantastic rest of your day.